Today on The Breakdown, Phil Helmuth and Daniel Jungleman Cates are playing King of the Hill for $200,000. And there is a hand. Oh, there is a hand where Phil Helmuth decides it isn't okay to just play the hand straightforward. Now, is it? And Daniel Cates has got some interesting decisions to make. We're going to take it apart right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. There's a lot of, a lot of buzz surrounding this hand. This hand's yeah. got a lot of buzz. For sure. Yeah, and there's reasons for that. And yes. uh, if you haven't seen the hand, which I'm sure many of you have, I would hope, you will now learn the reasons for all of the buzz. I mean, Phil Helmuth is a big draw, obviously. Sure. Is, is this a hand between the two most bitter, angry, famous <laughs> poker players in the world? Gosh, that's an interesting question. There's got to be. I mean, Sean Shakan seems pretty angry. He's not bitter, though. He's just kind of like a, a jerk. It's yeah, different. that's true. He's just already a jerk. Like Daniel Cates, I feel like he hates his life and he's bitter and angry. Phil Helmuth is just, you know, he's Phil. He's always a sourpuss. I will say this. During the um, the live stream of this, they are not censored at all, you know, because it's sure. just going on on Twitch. So they say anything they want. They swear. And they say the F word a lot. They both, And not like, not like you know, when you're saying, you know, that was a great F in play. It's like F. Yeah. Oh, man. Because you know, they're, they're so upset with something. They just say it all the time. It's, it's, it's good TV. I'll tell yeah. you that. If you just check out Daniel Kidd's Twitter for those who are interested oh, really? in how sour he is. Just look at how oh. negative everything is. It's so negative. It's, oh, I never looked yeah. at it. I'll have to check it out. That sounds yeah. great. It's um, funny. Why don't I uh, give everyone some context for this hand? I would love you to do that. Great. So Poker Night in America sponsored, well, they didn't sponsor, but they put on television a uh, King of the Hill. I guess they live streamed it, really. And they had four guys put up $50,000 each. You probably heard of them. Frank Casella. You may not have heard of him, but... Everyone else has. Jungle Man Cates, Doug Polk, and Phil Helmuth. And they, I believe, drew randomly, and it ended up being Phil Helmuth against Frank Casella in round one, and Cates and, sorry, and Polk against um, Helmuth in round one, and Casella against Cates in round one. Daniel Jungle Man Cates beat Frank Casella. Doug Polk lost to Phil Helmuth. They just played one round each with escalating blinds, both starting with 50,000 in chips. Uh, so those people are now out, the two, Polk mm-hmm. and Casella. So now Helmuth and Jungleman take a day off. They come back and they play uh, a best of three. Again, with escalating blinds. This time they start with 100000 in chips. And the winner gets all $200,000 that these players put up cumulatively. Winner so, take all. So it's winner take all. So you win. You don't even get your money back from round one. you got to win the whole thing. Yeah. What you get is the opportunity to win the two hundred k. So this hand takes place after... Uh, Phil Helmuth lost round one, one round two, and here we are in round three, and Phil Helmuth has been beaten down by Daniel Cates up to this point. Yeah, in Cates three. starts this hand with uh, 164K, and Phil Helmuth has the remainder of the 200K. Helmuth right? was actually down to under 10K in the, before this. Wow. Yeah, um, at one point, Cates had a 33 to 1, I think, chip advantage. That's a, um, that's a significant chip advantage. It is, and this hand uh, goes to ultimately determining who wins this match, this hand right here. Cool. Say that. So if Helmuth has battled back, as we said, I'm going to just say he has like 35,000 about 35K and Kate's has about 165K. Right. So yeah. it's like a five to one chip lead now. So now it's much more doable for Phil, but obviously one misstep and it's over. Yeah. So $200,000 is on the line here. That's, that's the setting. Why did Frank Gasella get the invite? That's a really I get, good I get question. the other three guys. The other three guys make a lot of sense. All I can think of is he's the one who put it together. Maybe he was. He he was the player of the year at the World Series of Poker in like 2011 or something. He know? was. Maybe he. I don't know. You think you think they wouldn't have a problem getting a bunch of other people 
if get they Bartouche wanted to. Get Bautista in there. Or, get or a million guys, Olivier right? Bousquet in there. I don't know why they would choose Frank Casella. I'm, he must be producing it or something. Yeah. He must have been the guy. But, yeah. Because otherwise, no offense, Frank, but what are you doing here? You're just right. Like most people don't know who Frank Casella is comparatively, yeah. right? Even though we do. And Cates is the least known of the remaining three, but he's still like among the poker community, very highly regarded. Of course. I yeah. mean, he's in the Premier League for several years. And of course, the online world knows all about him. And he's also fun TV. Antonio Esfandiari is known for trolling Daniel Cates yeah. on TV a lot. And Cates never knows it's happening. I would like to see a compilation of that because as I was you know, saying how, how, much, how bitter he is and Antonio <laughs> just like kind of poking at that. that oh, that's man. fun. That's a fun dynamic. Yeah, there. it's great. It's yeah. really it's really good times. All right, let's get into the hand though. Let's do it. Because as as Jonathan said, Phil Hemuth has been beaten down, but he's starting to crawl his way out of it. Mm. Um in this particular hand, Cates is gonna be on the button. The blinds are now at eight and sixteen hundred. So Cates has a hundred big blinds. As I mentioned, he has about 165k. And we've got about thirty five K, so we've just got uh thirty one, thirty two blinds. Twenty two blinds. Twenty one, twenty two, that's what I meant. Yeah. Excuse me. Um and Cates has ten five of clubs and he decides to min raise. He's been doing this the whole time. He's been min raising the entire time. We even talked about this a little bit in our last podcast yeah. because we mentioned that Olivier Bousquet had min raised uh, mm-hmm. in that hand, which was, you know, occurred seven years ago. This hand occurring about a week ago. Yeah. Different thing. Um what do you think about the min raise? I think it was very effective against Phil Hamuth. I'll say that. Phil Hamuth folded probably too much to the min raise anyway, pre. He also check folded on a lot of flops. Um, I think the idea of min raising here is not so much about having fold equity as just we're in position, we each have a hand, they're pretty much random. I because I have position on you, we should put more money in the pot. Yeah, fair enough. I'm and, so I'm uh, fine with that. This is not supported by the fact that Kate's have been doing it the whole match, but the min raise heads up makes more sense to me when the effective stack is around 20 blinds because... I mean, it is right here, right? Yeah. Oh, you're saying the whole match. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So in this exact scenario, yeah. the min raise makes a bit more sense to me because Helmuth is going to be less price sensitive mm-hmm. and uh, we lose less when he shoves on us this way and he's going to fold more frequently because he has to preserve his stack. Yeah, that's those are all really good points. Yeah. I really think Cates wasn't mostly doing it to get folds from Phil Pre. I really think it's just about building a slightly bigger pot, which he gets to steal later for the most it's part. It's not a horrible idea when you're in position and you have a perceived advantage. I mean, when I'm playing cash heads up, uh, no limit online and on nitrogen, in fact, which we'll probably talk about at some point. We might at some point talk about um, that. I pretty much always exclusively min raise the button, and I expect to get called most of the time. And great, I'm happy for that. You know, I feel right. like I, I'm, and when my opponent is limping the button, and I'm min raising the button. I feel like I've got a huge advantage. You know. Sure. Um, By the way, that's what was happening in this in this too. Phil was mostly limping the button. I agree with that. More chips in when you're in position. However, the counter to that is how price sensitive is your opponent in these spots, especially right. in cash games. If you can 3x and get the same amount of calls, wouldn't you prefer that? Because then you push your advantage. That is a fair point. Um, I don't know if you do or you don't. I mean, this is there's a, there's a reasonable case we made for sizing differently too. There were times actually when, when Cates would once in a while 3x, but mostly he wouldn't. Mostly he would be min-raising. Phil, by the way, did some interesting things where sometimes he would 3-bet. Um, sometimes he would limp re-raise as well from the button. So Phil was trying to like fight back a little bit here and there. But Right. Anyway, mostly he just called. It's good for Phil to fight. we got to see some fight in the Phil. Yeah, and he had some fight in this match for sure. Uh, before we get to what happens after Kate's min-raise here, I want to acknowledge the people who suggested this hand because we've right. been uh, neglecting to do that on the podcast every That's once in a while. bad. And this was suggested <laughs> by seven people. Cool. Uh, Aris Winger, Ryan Rivard, Samuel Cosby, probably not related to Bill Cosby, but no what? guarantees. No guarantees. Patrick Mitchell, Mark Testart, Marcello or Marcello, Imperial Junior, and Jay Recker. 
right? It's probably Mar- Mar- Marcello. Marcello. It's usually Marcello, right? I don't know. And, and Jay Recker. And Jay Recker. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, guys, for the suggestion. Guys, it's a great hand. We're glad you suggested it. Yep. Um, good. Good. So Let's Kate's, get to it. Kate's has made it 3,200 with his 10-5 of clubs. Helmuth is in the big blind. He's got queen-jack offsuit, spades, and diamonds. It's He's got a bit too much of a stack to shove here, right? And that seems like... I mean, we could really shove. We could shove. It's fine. Kate's has been opening almost every hand like this. Base, it's it's almost any two cards. Yeah, Not, and we I need, mean, we need to double up or picking up this pot is nice. Anyway, I mean, so. we essentially have blockers and some hope if we get called. That's yeah. that's all we have. But that's okay. We get we add ten percent to our stack right away. I think yeah. it's fine to shove. It's okay not to, but I think it's really fine to shove here. That's not Hummy's style, though. No, it's not. You don't not. expect Phil Hummuth to be shoving. No, with 21 blinds or 22 blinds, yeah. it's like, there's no way. So with 35K, he decides to call, which is fine. It's a min-raise. We get to see a flop with Queen-Jack. It's, it's probably fine. preferable with Queen-Jack, exactly, to call. It's yeah. probably optimal to call, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, It's just a bit too many chips to put in. With with a hand that's just a little too weak when you get called yeah. and a little too strong, It's but it's a nice part of our calling range. It's one of the stronger hands in our calling range. Yeah. So that seems like a reasonable call here. Right. So the pot is 6,400 now. Mm-hmm. And uh, Helmuth does a very Helmuthian thing and dark checks before the flop comes out. I don't think he had mostly been doing this, which is weird. Can I... we discuss the dark check a little bit okay. as, a, as an overall strategy? Because of the high-level players, Phil Helmuth is the only one who's been doing it forever, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Maybe there's a couple examples you could find if you really search the internet. I'm sure Brian knows a couple examples. <laughs> Brian with a Y. Sure he does. Yeah, he knows all about all the pokers. Um, but like, what do you think about this? In general, what are the pros? What are the cons? It's just something that we never talk about because you never see at the high levels players doing it. But you see it in your you know local tournaments and stuff. Um, I am mostly not a fan of the dark check. I don't uh, know. What, I don't know what it really does for us as Phil Helmuth, Let's say in this example, I don't know how it helps us. I don't know what advantage it gives us. But I can think of things it doesn't do. It 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 cuts off our ability to do donk either yep. donk strong or donk as a bluff. Um, even if we're always checking. By dark checking, then we're announcing that we're always checking. Yeah. Rather than, I guess what he's trying to do is, in theory, make it harder for Juggle Man to bet the flop because we're because we're checking 100 percent of flops. But we could just check 100 percent of flops anyway. This is they've already been playing for like hours and hours at this point. They played for like four hours. Juggle Man knows that Phil's checking flops. It's okay. It's easy to combat also if he checks every time. Like you, you can have check boards and bet boards, or you can have check hands and bet hands. It's fine. Mm-hmm. It's easy. It doesn't matter what Phil does if he's checking 100% either way. Right. Like, I, yeah, I think the biggest problem is why are we removing our ability to lead out? Why would we want to do that? I don't know. I mean, the threat of it is is useful, and you probably want to lead out once in a while just so that way you throw your opponent off. Yeah. So I don't know why we would do that. I mean, I almost want Jungle Man, not that I would actually expect him to do it here or ever because he's a high-level player, but to bet in the dark. If Phil's going to check in the dark, cool. I bet 1.5 blinds in the dark. Let's go. Like, whatever. Yeah, I think that's probably suboptimal. <laughs> it's got to be suboptimal, but it's it's almost just like... I mean, that's effectively what's going to happen anyway a lot, right? Not that's, always. That's not how... I mean, if that if your opponents start doing that as an adjustment to dark checking, start dark checking. That's amazing. Well, then Getting start, start dark check raising. I yeah. mean, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway... Jimmy Gold did that, you know. Dark check raised? He dark check raised Sammy Farha with the Aces versus Kings hand. I can imagine. And then Farha yeah. only called <laughs> with the Aces... And then they checked it down the rest of the way because Farha got confused yeah. and afraid. Yeah, Jimmy Golden, that guy, he uh, he was entertaining. Yeah. Say that for him. Yeah. Yeah, so in general, dark trekking not advised by the poker guys, I mm. would say. No, no. 
Yeah, you want to give yourself all the options. But Helmuth's been doing it for years, and uh, we all know he's very successful. So, you know, there's something. I mean, he's doing something right. I don't know if yeah. this is it, but he's doing something right. Yeah. Anyway, that's what happens. He dark checks before the flop comes out, and the flop does come out as even when Phil Helmuth dark checks, the flop has to happen, right? I mean, there could be an earthquake. There could be an earthquake, and then we'd, we would have Helmuth checking but no flop. Right. Which is weird. So weird. We do a breakdown on that for sure. He's doing he's doing it just for that possibility. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the flop is ten deuce three, two diamonds, one club. So Kate's flops t- flops top pair. Phil flops overs and two back doors. And Kate's also has two back doors. Oh, he does. Yeah, that's right. He's got ten five of clubs on the ten deuce three one club board. And he's got the queen jack offsuit with the uh, jack of diamonds. So mm-hmm. he's got the back door diamonds and the back door of straight draws. Yep. Okay. Cool. And overs. So after the dark check. Kate's bets twenty two hundred into sixty four hundred, relatively small bet. What do you want to do as Helmuth? I mean, we can reasonably call, we can reasonably fold. Those seem like the only options, right? It's so cheap. We could race. Why can't we race? Why would we want to race to win? I mean, okay, that's fair. But we can also call here. I mean, we're so short that I just sort of hate the idea of raising and like not not winning the pot, not winning. You know? Oh, I, like, yeah, I get that, but I think it's not so easy to dismiss raising when. Okay. If you say Cates is betting 100% of flops... He, he's not. Okay. He's definitely not betting 100% of flops. He's well, then betting, never mind. No, 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 no. He was checking back a lot of flops. Okay. For Fine. sure. Well, raising is definitely higher variance, but I don't think it's insane. Okay. You know, you're right. It's definitely not insane. Um, I think a call is probably the right play here with overs and two back doors, and Cates is going to check back a lot of turns, I would We could assume. even be ahead. It's a really cheap bet, too. If it costs more, that'd be one thing, but it's a blind and a half. The problem with calling, of course, is that we started out pretty short. Yeah. There's not a lot of maneuverability. We'd, we'd really prefer to have like 80 blinds to call here. I think this is basically the worst hand we can call with that is like queen high. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's like the worst hand we can call with that is um, just the worst hand we can call with, I guess. Maybe that's the end of that sentence. That isn't like a major draw. There's like right, four or five diamonds. or something. Right. Like, yeah. That's yeah. my thought. Um, yeah, I think you could legitimately fold because of our stack. Yeah. Even though Kate's bet's small, he bet a third of the pot. It's still like 2200 We could use that later for fold equity. That would be nice. Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Or by the way, or just double up equity. Like, you yeah, know, we get the double. We get to double up that 2200 also. That matters. Right. But you can't kill Phil for what he does, which is call. I can't. It's just because Kate's, obviously, he's going to be pretty wide here. A queen or jack is often good. Mm-hmm. We have back doors. There's a lot of turn cards we can continue on. Queen jack high could be good, although it's going to be hard to realize that. Yeah, especially we don't want to hero our whole There's 200k no way. away. I mean, I think where the plan is if we don't improve significantly on the turn, we're probably going to have to yeah. dump it. If it goes check check on the turn, we could decide to bluff or not, depending on what we want to do. I think based on our stack size, if Kate's bet 3500, we should fold though. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I think we just can't mess around. But 2200. I mean, the pot is what, like 9,000 is 2,200. We've got overs and two back doors. Yeah. We're heads up. It seems pretty good. Yep. So he calls, and that's fine. Yeah. You know what else is fine and Ni- good? Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. Nitrogen Sports Poker Room. Nitrogen Nit- Sports Poker Room. Land of the free home of the brave. Hey. Hey, so uh, we're having bounty tournaments on that thing. Apparently we are. Apparently we're having bounty tournaments. They tell on- us we're doing bounty tournaments now. On, on Tuesdays, Tuesdays, at least one of us will be playing in the bounty tournaments. It's- Usually it's just going to be one of us. Yeah. Right? There's going to be a uh, five millibit entry, which is about $20 right now, a little bit more yeah. than 20 bucks. And uh, so that makes 20 millibits, you know, it's a decent chunk of money if you knock one of us out. Because, yeah, it's a 20 millibit bounty on our heads. Yeah. It's a 20 millibit free sports bet, to be fair. Free sports bet. But, but- still. Hey, you could spin that up, man. Yeah, or you know, I mean, the expected value of that is pretty high, right? I mean, yeah, like meaning like maybe it's nineteen and a half 
you know, yeah. millibits. So whatever. I mean, it's basically 80 bucks they're giving yeah. you in one, one form or another. Um, by the way, and the first bounty tournament we did, Nitrogen made a mistake. Big mistake. accidentally made the prize pool a Bitcoin, which is about $4,400. And uh, when they were informed of it before the tournament started, they just decided to let it roll, even though there were, what, 24 of us in the tournament. There was a, yeah. like a $408 prize pool. Uh, sorry, $408 that should have been in the prize pool, and instead it was $4,400. So those of us who finished in the top three made way more money than we were supposed to. As one of the top three finishers myself, I finished second. Very nice it for you. It was quite wonderful. And uh, whoever finished first got not only way too much money, way twenty two hundred dollars. Got we got four times, like four and a half times what the prize pool should have. But been. also that eighty dollars sports bet. I know another player also got the eighty dollars sports bet because they knocked me out. So there's there's this was as good an overlay as you could ever find, and people yeah. sort of lucked into it. And we it. can't say that's going to happen no, again. But I it was expect- it's a fun tournament anyway, and the bounties are really worth it. And yeah. You get to play with the poker guys. Why not? It's fun. It's and guess super what? Sweet. You have to use the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up. Even if you already have a Nitrogen account, you can sign up with our link. Right. Yeah. Yes, you can. Now, of course, it's a Bitcoin-only poker room, which means lightning fast deposits and withdrawals. They also have recently cut their rake in half, their max rake in half. So it's in line with other online poker rooms, which I guess it wasn't before. I never really noticed, honestly. But um, So that's pretty cool, too. It's competitive rake at this point. And, uh, oh, the NFL Survivor Pool. You know, the yeah. NFL season's kicking off real soon, September 6th. And uh, Survivor Pool is happening. They have, like, seven different entries, including free, but also from super cheap to crazy, insanely expensive. From, like, you know... If you like, want a high roll in those Survivor Pools, please use the link in the I description. I think they have a three-Bitcoin buy-in, which is, wow. you know, like, $13,000 buy-in. I yeah. will not be participating in that one. But I might participate in some of these small ones. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to play in that one, please use the link in the description. <laughs> no, when you sign. Please. Yeah. Please do. But they have free one. There's a free one, and there's, like, a, you know, a five millibit one or something like that. And it's, like, a 15 and then a 100 and whatever. So whatever, whatever size you want to play, you can play. Survivor's fun. It's great. You should definitely do it. And as always, Nitrogen has industry-leading deposit and withdrawal times. Of course, the withdrawal times being the more fun ones, like 20 minutes at most. It's great. I mean, deposit's pretty good, too. If you want to play, you get it on right away, and then you can just start playing. But it's great. you got to use the link in the description to get all the cool stuff. We'll see you on Nitro. Yes, we will. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's because it's rather anonymous. I don't know if we've been playing with Phil Helmuth on Nitrogen or not. We might have been. We might have been. But he's uh, he's embroiled in a hand here. And we, yes, he we is. As we'll get back to that. Let's do that. Yeah. Um, so right here in my notes, it says uh, Helmuth calls. So I, I don't know who that is. That's, but, that's um, He used to be the director of communications at the White House, the press secretary of the White House, and was fired after 11 days. Oh, Helmuth? Yeah, the Mooch. The Helmuth. <laughs> okay, cool. Didn't that happen? Yeah, I remember that. He that's made good. some really offensive remarks. Yeah, to, yeah. To the New Yorker or uh, something like Helmuch, that. old dog. <laughs> <laughs> you old so-and-so. You old polecat. All right, so we're going to the turn. Kate says bet. Helmuth has called. It's a 10-deuce, three-flop, one club, two diamonds. Kate says 10-5. Helmuth's got queen-jack, one diamond. Right. This doesn't seem like it's going to be an exciting hand, and yet it's going to be an exciting hand. Seven people suggested it. I guess a queen is coming on the turn. Wait, no. It's got to be like a nine of diamonds, right? So that gives yeah. Helmuth all the draws. Yeah, sure. Something like that. Maybe 10, five, five of diamonds. Five of diamonds. What is it? Um, 10,800 in the pot. Yeah. Guess what? Before we find out the turn card. Oh, yes. Phil Helmuth checks. He checks in the dark. Another dark check. He is the man. He's unstoppable. I don't even know what to do with this guy. Such an unstoppable dark checker. I want to buy his book. <laughs> you can. I know. It's for sale in many places, I'm sure. I know. That's the first poker book I ever read. 
Instead of that, you should buy Poker Guys podcast archives for T-shirts. If you're going to buy something. If you're trying to learn you know, the very basis, basics of the game, you should probably buy the Helmuth book. If you feel like – if you already listen to this podcast, you should probably buy the Poker Guys podcast archive. Yeah. You'll learn a lot more, and it's more fun. That's for sure. All right. so <laughs> <laughs> It's on selfie.com, by the way. Yeah. S-E-L-F-Y. <laughs> um, Helmuth Dark Checks. Yeah. Turn is the 10 of spades. Okay, so that's good for jungle. Yeah, not only is it not a diamond, yeah. it's also a 10. Yes. So jungleman has trips. Yeah. It's really hard for him not to have the best hand. Really hard. Yeah. So good situation. Yes. Now, jungleman is going to do something interesting here. He's going to try to make sure he gets value because he sized pretty small on the flop. And now when Helmuth calls, I guess jungle is putting him on draws a lot of the time. I mean, he can have one pair of hands or draws. Yeah. Both I are guess. fine. Both so, are reasonable. So Kate's bet 7,600 into 10,800, and I like it based on that range. Yeah. Because Helmuth has, you know, the very bottom of his range. You don't Agreed. expect him to have this. But if he has any three or any deuce, which are the flopped pairs, he's probably going to have to call this. I think against he's going to call. And he might have to fold his draws, which Kate's is fine with. And if he calls with his draws, it's good, too. He can fold his draws or he can move in with his draws, which is fine also. It's all good. We don't mind action from the draws, and we don't mind the draws folding. And we expect to get calls by the deuces and threes. So it's it's good to size it up here, I think. I think it's good. Yeah. I like it. You agree? agree. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So hands over, right? I mean, Elmuth is sitting here with Queen Jack High. The top card just paired. None of the back doors came in. All right. This is a short breakdown. You know how you know the hand isn't over? This is poker, guys. We chose it. We chose this hand. It cannot be over. It cannot be over. Well, Phil doesn't want it to be over. Right. And uh, calling at this point would be absurd, you right? You cannot call. We have queen high. I guess we can call if we think we're ahead, but it seems crazy. That seems stupid. Also, we're not ahead, so that's that would be bad. Turns out we're drawing dead, but hey. We're drawing very dead. <laughs> <laughs> not just dead. Like Night King dead. Right, exactly. Yeah. I, was <laughs> like, thinking, I was going there, too. Yeah. I was going there, too. Very nice. Um so, but Phil has an awkward stack. It's not oh. like he can make a move. So, like white magic, W I G H T magic, get it? Yeah. You know the whites are like the uh, yeah, they're the zombies in Game of Thrones. It's they very good. What you just so did. So white magic. Very good. Come on, that's freaking great. It's so good. I feel like you're not appreciating. No, but I'm sorry. Go on. Sarcasmo over go here. Go on. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but like the hands over because Helmuth started the hand with 35k. He has no chips to make a move with. And yet, the and hand yet. cannot be over. It's a weird paradox we're in because the, the hand must be over, and yet yeah. the hand cannot be over because we would not have chosen Schrodinger's it. Schrodinger's turn card. <laughs> 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 all right. So Helmuth raises, and he does not move all in, which feels like the only raise you can make now, right? I would assume it's the only raise you can make. But there's you know what? 17, there's, Go ahead. There's 18,000 chips in the pot, and Kate's having bet 7,600, and Phil has like 30k Mm -hmm. feels like a move in or if we're gonna raise i mean if we're raised we're effectively committing no matter what so we might as well move in seems reasonable to me yeah but we know something about phil homeuth he doesn't he doesn't do things that are normal well not just that when he bluffs this may also be true when he's not bluffing but i know for a fact because we've seen it many times on this show when he bluffs against good players he often Bets, he often makes smaller, it leaves a little something behind for himself. If you recall against um, Yuha Helpy, Yuha Helpy, that's right, in the Premier League, right? Yeah. Where he left like 5,000 behind for yeah. no obvious reason, you know? And uh, he always seems to do that. Well, he's doing it again. Yes. He's raising to 19,600 
leaving him with 9,900 behind. Right. So in, in his mind, he's like, well, if Jungle Man doesn't fold, he's obviously going to move in then, because why not? And I'm just going to get the fold, and I get to still have some blinds, but I assume I still have the same level of fold, fold equity again. So if Jungle Man has a pair, he's probably not folding a lot of the time. Um, if Jungle Man does as a pair, does, does not have a pair, he's going to fold, and it's all the same. So I, this way I get to save my 10K. I actually don't hate that argument. By the way, raising to 20K does look stronger. Yeah. But... It's all the same, really, right? Right. It's all basically the same. Yeah. It's it's just a weird situation. I agree. So Jungle Man, I think, do you think he should just be moving in or, fold, or folding now? I mean, obviously not folding because he's got trips. We can't fold. Folding yeah. would be completely absurd. Here's the, I think here's the decision point for Jungle Man. This is what we have to decide right now. Um, and I do have a thought as to what he should actually do. But either we have to move in because we figure, okay, Phil either has a strong made hand or a strong draw. Either way, he's not folding. Yeah. So let's get it in because I don't want to have to think about it. And obviously, I'm getting in against all of it on the river, right? Anyway. Sure. So it's all the same. But if he misses his draw, I'd rather get it in now because he might check fold the river. Like yeah. If I call, he's going to check fold sometimes if he misses his draw, right? Yeah. So we can't have that because now it looks strong when I call. So let's just move in and force him to do let's it. Let's just treat it like Phil moved in and put right. it in ourselves. Okay. Here's the other option. Okay. We have to believe Phil has some air-type bluffs, or not necessarily air, but he's going to bluff his draws on the river if he missed anyway. And no, it's got to have air-type bluffs, because he's going to, even if Phil has 4-5, he's going to call now if we move in, right? He's forced yeah, to call. Yeah, of course. So, Phil, so it doesn't make any sense to me to do anything. If we're going to call here, we have to call with the intention of calling all shoves on the river, because that means we're believing Phil's going to bluff the river sometimes still, right? Which seems weird, because... The, if we call, the pot's going to be 50000 and Phil's going to have 9900 behind. There are a few rivers we could decide. Maybe we don't have to bluff, or we, we don't have to call on maybe. And I'm thinking of two cards, right? Okay. The Ace of Diamonds and the Six of Diamonds, right? Because it's uh, it was 10 to deuce three, right? Yeah. With two diamonds. So, so the, all, those, if all of the draws come in, you mean? Exactly. The four or five comes in and the diamonds come in. Maybe we can find a fold there if Phil shoves, maybe. But I don't like that. I don't like putting ourselves in a position where maybe we're going to make a mistake. Cause, is it possible Phil has two nines? No, he never has two nines. Um, is it possible Phil's just going to overvalue some hand? Probably not. But I feel like either we just move in on the turn because we feel like he's, he's always calling. We want to get value from the missed draws, that, yeah. the draws that end up missing. Or and we're gonna call anyway against trips. Or we call here with the intention of calling the river because Phil's gonna bluff the river. They're like if we don't think Phil's gonna bluff the river, we move in now. If we think Phil is gonna bluff the river, we can call and always call the river. That's it, right? Those are only two options. Those I think are the two points. I think of moving in three. is far superior. I think it's so straightforward to move in. Yeah. By the way, if Phil folds, it's not the end of the world. No, that's totally fine. He's down to like what, six blinds. Yeah. Six less than six and a half blinds. It's fine. Right. But we don't expect Phil's ever really folding, right? No, but so let's just before we talk about, I, I'm going to say we have to discuss whether or not we should continue in the hand as Kate's, even though it seems obvious because okay. we have trips. Great. But before that, I want to say I strongly, I live on the side that says we have to move in here if we're mm -hmm. going to continue in the hand. I do not like the idea of calling. Okay, good. Let's talk about that a little bit. Okay, it's it's mo you... it's mostly just because like. Who cares? Is there's 9,900 behind. We don't want to leave ourselves room to make any sort of mistake. We have a very good hand, and we're deciding to go with it. Phil effectively moved in. Let's treat it like a move-in. Okay, but we could call here and just insta-call all rivers anyway, and that's all the same, right? It's fine to do that, too. It's fine to do that, too, but, like, 
the thing is, yeah. like, like you could just be like, you've seen lots of guys. You've been this guy, and I've been this guy too. Where like someone bets the turn, and we call, and like a bad card comes on the river, and they move in, and you like call right away, and you roll your eyes, but you call right away yeah. because you've already decided you're committed. And sometimes they have it, and sometimes they don't, right? Yeah. So like that's fine. I think it's okay to take that line, but you're effectively moving in by calling on the turn because you're always calling the river. All that's right. okay too. But I agree with you. I think the play is to move in to get value from, like, the 4-5 that misses or the king-high diamonds that missed. Right. Where Phil might actually check-fold the river with, yeah. like, what he maybe not the 4-5, but the king-high diamonds. He may feel his showdown value. He checks, we bet, and he then he finds a fold. He might check-fold the 4-5 anyway because he, he feels might. like he has no fold equity. He might. I don't know what he's going to do. Why give him a chance? Yeah. So I think we should move in here. If he's got air, he's probably not bluffing the river anyway once we call here. Yeah. So I like moving in better, too, for sure. Also, like you said, we can't make a mistake. So I prefer that. But I think it's fine to go call insta-call river. Okay. I think that's fine, too. All right. Beyond that, let's ask the question, should we be continuing in the hand as Kate's? Great. Let's at least ask the question. What is Phil's range? Well, Phil can have a 10 for sure. Yeah. He might play a 10 just like this. And all the 10s are better than our 10 except for 10-4. Correct. It's possible Phil would have raised a 10 on the flop with this small a blind stack. Phil also, likes to, to wait, though. Phil, Phil also, though, I will say, was raising a lot of flops with, like, middle pair, top pair, bottom pair throughout the match. Mm, okay. So he's often going to raise one pair on the flop. Certainly not always, but some of the time. But um, the other part of his range is draws, right? And he's often going to raise those on the flop with this stack He is sometimes going to do that as well. Uh, maybe because we bet so small, though, he, he was, like, afraid he was going to blow us off the hand. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Um, his range, his value range is mostly beating us, but not entirely beating us. Phil absolutely can have um, like a good three here and and be raising because he does that. You think he could have ace three here? I do. I actually okay. do. Um, I think if that's the case, that alone is enough that we need to continue in the hand. If Phil can have ace three, if he can have, I really think he all can. combos of ace three. That means we have to. I know that no, I don't believe you can have ace three here, and I don't believe I can have ace three here. But I just watching Phil play this match against Cates, he can have ace three here. Okay, then we have to go with it. Yeah, that's enough. I I, I agree. Um, but I mean, beyond that, the fact that Phil can have all of the draws. Yeah, of course. He that's can. certainly enough that of we have to. Can. We can't fold. Yeah, and by the way, I mean Phil was also. I don't know how much Cates knew about this because they were playing it. I don't know when he was getting information about the stream. If he was getting the information about the stream, like what hands Phil had, because they weren't getting up and talking to their friends. But in between matches, things stopped mm. for like a half an hour each time. And I don't know if they got all the data or not, you know? Right. But if Cates was getting that data, he should know that Phil was making lots of weird, airy check raises on flops and turns sometimes with absolutely nothing and no prayer. You know, like they worked, but I mean, no prayer in terms of equity, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, if we know that, that's another reason why we just are forced to continue in the hand. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. So I think, but but I do agree that like we against a good player, we're beating draws only. Mm-hmm. There's too many draws to fold with our hand being this good. Yeah, and, even if it's against a player who has draws and tens in his range and yeah. and boats, it doesn't matter. There's so many draws. We There's so many diamond combos. There's another factor too. We have all the chips as Kate's. It's okay to be wrong. Yeah. It's not like this is for our life. Phil's allowed to double up here if we call and you know and he gets it and wins the whole thing. It's fine. We still have most of the chips in play. That factor doesn't even matter once you take into account the draws, though. I agree. But I'm saying, like, even if you want to say Phil's got a much stronger range than what we're saying, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. If Phil can ever have diamonds here, we can't fold. Right. So we are clearly concluding that Kate's cannot fold here. Right. And he does not. 
Of course but he, not. But he goes with the call instead of the move-in. Right. Leaving Phil with 9,900 behind. <laughs> There's 50K into the pot. This is in the pot going to the river. Such a bizarre situation. Phil has 9,900 behind. The flop was 10 deuce 3, two diamonds, one club. The turn was the 10 of spades. Cates has 10-5 for trips. Phil has queen high with a random Phil Hummel spewmaster moment. Yeah. And uh, the river now is the nine of diamonds. Can, can we do this? I, I want to do the river differently than we normally do it. I want to tell everyone both actions and then break them down afterward. Okay. Can we try that? Sure. So Phil Helmuth moves in. Yeah, this is a third diamond, by the way. Yes. Yes, Phil Helmuth moves in for 9,900 into a pot of 50K. And Kate's folds very quickly. Very quickly, very upset, Kate's folds. Okay. So let's start with Phil moving in. Okay. This seems like a terrible move in. Yeah. I mean, you can't expect to be getting folds, right? I wouldn't. I would think we're never folding out. I mean, I guess if we think Kate's has a three, we might get a fold on a three when the diamond comes. Maybe. Maybe we think no, the diamond came. So Kate's has diamond draws in his range too. He's For not sure. folding those, obviously. For sure. And Kate's. I would think Kate's would be more apt to call with his draws on the turn rather than just move in with his draws. Right? Yeah. If, if Kate's had like the six eight of diamonds or something, he might think he has no fold equity, even though he would have fold equity on the right. turn. You might think he has zero, and so he might as well 10K. save the 10K. Right. So the diamond is very a really bad card for Phil to move in on for that think, reason. kind of think this is a bad move in, but maybe let's explore it a little more. Phil moves in pretty comfortably and confident, and it completely works as good as it could ever work. So what is Phil putting Cates on? I guess Phil's putting Cates on a, a weak made hand. Why is he doing that, though? What makes him do yeah, that? Yeah, there's no reason for that. As opposed to, like, yeah, a draw or a hand that isn't going to fold. He doesn't expect Kate's to fold trips, right? No, of course not. He can't. Not. You could never target trips here. No. I think Phil would assume trips would have moved in on the turn. Yeah. Yeah. Phil's repping the trips, but the diamond came in. That's the thing I just don't get. If it's a brick on the river, I can understand why Phil could move in here more of the time. I think it's just desperation. He's got 9,900 behind. He's like, I didn't expect him to call. I thought right. he was going to move in or fold. And... He, didn't, like, he had a plan for if, if yeah. Kate's moved in. And he had a plan for if Kate's folded. Those were very easy. Um, this is like the what? Tom Dwan once in a while. We're like, Tom Dwan never thought this would happen, but now he's got to right. adjust. So here's so the good thing about this move in. We're giving ourselves an incredible price to bluff. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. We're giving ourselves five Outrageous. to one. But we shouldn't. I mean, what are, we can beat a straight draw only. We, we, Sorry, when we I say can we can fold beat, out, we can fold out a straight draw. We're beating a straight draw anyway. Yeah. But we can fold. I guess yeah. But we can we can fold out a straight draw only. In I, theory, we know Kate's folds. That's right. He folds that's right. trips. He folds trips. Okay, so that's Fast. that's the decision that people are talking about. It's not yeah. Phil Hamuth moving in, which we think is a weird decision anyway. Correct. But let's talk about the decision that people are talking about here. Great. The Kate's decision. Let's uh, start by saying he's getting six to one. That's a lot. Let's say another thing here. It is not him who loses the match if he loses the hand. That is correct. He is. Um, he will he, still have a chip lead. He will have a significant chip lead. He'll actually. Phil had what thirty five k to start, so it'll be like yeah. one thirty to seventy. He'll have almost two to one chip lead anyway. Yeah. By the way, if he folds, he still has like you know like it's a one fifty to one you know to fifty chip lead. So it's a three to one chip lead. It isn't it? Isn't like the chip lead's that different? It's different. It right. matters, but. The other side of it is if Kate's calls and wins right here, he wins the match and wins the $200,000. Yeah, two hundred k in your pocket. This is a big deal. Yeah. This is maybe one reason why Kate's thinks Phil can't be bluffing. I guess. I mean, it doesn't look like Phil's bluffing, right? All right. So we've said all the problems. Yeah. They're, they're significant. Here's what Kate's is thinking, in, in my opinion. Yeah. He can't beat anything now. 
Right. He thinks that Helmuth either got there on the river or already had Kate's beat. And maybe Kate just absolutely believes that Helmuth would not shove four or five here on the river. Yeah, he must. Because Helmuth knows he's getting called. Right. That must be what's going on. So Kate's is like thinking Helmuth at that level, and then and then Kate's like levels himself into the fold as a result, right? Right. So he must he must believe that the diamond means he loses to all of Phil's range now. That has to be what he thinks. The, that moves in. That chooses yeah. to move in here. Yeah. Um, now here's another piece to Phil moving in that maybe that I didn't bring up, but that I think may play into this. So the day before, Phil played Doug Polk, mm-hmm. and Jungle Man did the commentary with I don't remember who's I don't think it was David Tuckman, but somebody, right? And Phil Helmuth check raised Doug Polk a few different times, um, and always had it basically, or almost always had it. And one time on the river, Helmuth makes the oh Helmuth turns the nut flush. Checks, Polk checks it back. Polk rivers the nut straight. Helmuth checks again. Polk bets. Helmuth raises. Polk thinks forever and calls. And Jungleman's very critical of the call. Like, very, very critical and thinks Helmuth is basically never bluffing on his check raises. Gotcha. He talks about this a lot. And so, Helmuth gets to see that. I'm wondering if Helmuth like, saw it or one of Helmuth's friends told him about it. It's like, hey, guess what? Jungleman thinks you always have it when you check raise. Because Helmuth check raised him a lot with air. Like, a lot. Now, sometimes when he had it, too. But a lot with air. Well, so, that would that would be indicative that maybe Helmuth did was aware of the commentary. I do. Then. Now it's funny because at one point Jungleman actually says, "Did you see the com- Did you see the the show? You're in Doug's thing." And, and Helmuth said no, but it doesn't mean someone didn't tell him all right. about what what Jungleman said. Or Helmuth just lied because it gives him a significant advantage. Basically, yeah. you know, um, it ends up being a huge mistake for Jungleman to talk about. Well, it's okay for Jungleman to talk about what he thinks Phil Helmuth is doing during the Doug Polk match, but he can't then think like that doesn't have an impact on anything else because, of course, it does, right? Right. Like, they're playing for $200,000. You don't think Phil's going to try and find out what you think about his play? Yeah. Of course he is. Two hundred k. Only one one person to get through. I'm going to figure out everything about that person that I can. You might as well. I mean, it, and and you know, you have friends watching. They're they're gonna they're certainly going to text and say, "By the way, Jungle thinks you're never bluffing ever when you make a big play." Yeah. You're never bluffing. So FYI, like. So now I'm not saying Jungle's supposed to know this, but I think that plays into why Phil makes the check raise on the turn, and I guess it maybe even gives him a little bit more courage on the river to shove, because he's like Jungle's just gonna believe me, even though I don't see how it should work. All right. Ultimately, I want to ask this question. Good. Is this fold justifiable? Can we find a way to justify it? We can. Okay. Begin. I think we can. Um, the only thing we should be able to be here is a straight draw. That decided to shove the river. Yeah, it's very strange for Phil to show up with Queen High here. We, I mean, okay. The problem is that Phil apparently can have air. And that makes it all hard to figure out. He check-called the flop. He check-raised the turn. He shoved the river with what looked like no fold equity. He's, he shouldn't be able to have very air very often. Watching this match, I saw he did have air in this spot a fair amount. So if Jungle doesn't know that, I don't know if Phil, five out of six times Phil doesn't have us beat. He really might have us beat five out of six times or more. Here's what makes it unjustifiable. Good. The fold on the river in confluence with not moving in on the turn. Right, exactly. Because your major point was Phil Hamuth is going to bluff the river when he misses if he has draws. It's the only reason to and, just call the turn instead or, of or, raise. Or, or complete air because he's going to have to call if we move in for 9,900 or more on the turn if he has a draw, obviously. Right. Phil, so we'd, all we'd be chasing out is the complete air. So we can't both just call the turn and fold the river. Exactly. That's not okay. Those things do not go together at all. Yeah. And that is the point. Right. right? Like, if we're calling the turn, it's because we believe that it has some complete air in his range. Yes. And if he has some complete air in his range, 
and we think he's going to shut down on the river, then why aren't we moving in to get value out of the draws? Right. If we think he's going to move in with the, the complete air in his range on the on the river, then we can then we insta call. Right. You just said that Cates has to believe that Helmuth's check folding four or five on the river. And if that's the case, Jungle should have just moved it on the turn. To get value out of the 4-5 yeah. when it misses, yeah. right? Because it's always going to get value out of us. Yes. Right? I mean, is Jungle trying to play this perfectly and basically every time an ace, a six, a or a diamond comes in, he's going to fold? And, well, but, that's not perfect because that's two different draws. Exactly. It can't exactly. be perfectly. Maybe if an ace, six comes in, he calls, but diamonds come in and he folds. But still, then that's not perfect either. No. It just seems like... This is why we just move in on the turn. It's if they were much deeper, of course you can find a fold here. Of course, yeah. If Helmuth moves in for forty k on the river, I think folding is probably correct. Yeah, but this is different. I was playing in the Arizona State Poker Championship like two weekends ago. Grant, you know this hand, but I'm sharing it with the world. Please, share. I have Ace King. Blah blah blah. We get to the river. The board is Ace Queen Ten Ace Seven. Two diamonds on the flop, seven of diamonds on the river. I had raised in the big blind the one limper. You have he, top trips. Yes, I have ace king. Yeah. Um, I bet the flop. I bet big on the turn he called. He moves in on the river, giving me four to one, I think, on a call. But the diamond came in. But the third diamond came in, and he's like an old guy who I'd seen bluff once in six hours. And I haven't been hawed for a good, like, four or five minutes, like, talking about what he could have. Could he be moving in with, other, with worse hands for value? I didn't really think I could beat anything, but I finally found a call anyway, even though it's going to leave me pretty short because I just felt it was like basically the best hand I could ever check with there, you know, on the for, river. Yeah, that it wasn't giving up. Um, he had like queen high. No, sorry, he had a pair of queens, and that was it. He had like queen nine and decided to turn second pair into a bluff on the river after calling the turn. It was bizarre, bizarre, right. terrible decision by him. Um, but like I hemmed and hot, and the whole table made fun of me. You know, yeah. like, what are you doing? Oh, my, because my hand's so strong. Right. And I can understand once the hands get turned over how it looks like I'm super nitty and super tight. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, what am I actually beating here? I'm not really beating anything except the guy losing his mind or or overvaluing um, trip aces, which is possible, sure. which is why I ultimately call. Um, but it turns out I was wrong. I mean, no, the guy was losing his mind, but I didn't really have losing his mind as part of the uh, range. Mm -hmm. So... Phil Hamuth lost his mind, and I don't think Kate says that as part of his range either. And this is this is the other problem. People do lose their mind once in a while. That's kind of the point of, or not the point, but that's one of the advantages of, of GTO play. Right. Is you, you don't really think about whether or not, like, you're like, I'm in this part of my distribution. This is the price I call. Well, you and I often try and figure out, is it possible for someone to be losing their mind right now? Like, yeah. I, I always go back to our James Opes and Michael Ruan hand, right? Right. Where we feel like it's basically impossible for Ruan not to have Opes beat. In that spot. Yeah. Like, Ruan is not going to blow up his whole tournament right there. He's not. The, now, maybe Andy Black would. Maybe right? he would. Maybe Mike Mattisau would. There are some players who might. But we didn't think, based on everything we knew about Ruan and the spot and the amount of blinds he put in on the river when he didn't have to, that he just would ever, ever not have sevens full beat. Right? Right. And the question is, for Daniel Cates, is is that true for Phil Homuth, Right? Or can he lose his mind here? A little bit. Obviously, he can. We now know for sure that he can. He has queen jack high. <laughs> so it ends up costing Daniel Cates, because Phil Hamith comes all the way back and wins this thing. That's crazy. It is crazy. Um, it ends up costing Cates 100, well, 200K. Mm -hmm. Phil should have lost 50K and said he made 150, and vice versa for freaking Cates. It's got to be unbelievably tilting, and the whole world watched you make that play now, and you just feel dumb. You just can't. Only call the turn and then fold the river, no matter what the card is. Right. I so that's, that and that's why you move in on the turn. Yeah. Like we're saying, for 10K more specifically. He's getting six to one. 
It's, on the river. Six to one. I know. I mean, I've been in that spot and just, I always call there, but I hate it and I usually lose, admittedly. Like, you usually lose when they move in right there, right? This this spot is, by the way, like, uh, Opes was getting maybe four and a half to one in that hand when he folded. I don't even think it was that good. But it was pretty good. It was a pretty good price and he had a very high in his distribution hand rank. Yes. But the situation and the way the hand played out were far more clear. Of course. Like, the way the hand played out, it's like, Ruan has to have him beat. He has to. He absolutely has to. And that's not the case necessarily in this hand. Also, we just believe, yeah, we believe that Ruan would never blow up his entire main event when he still had like 60 blinds left on the river. Yeah. It just, and by the way, Opes bet small on the river. There's just no chance we thought. Right. It's possible we're going to be wrong about that sometimes and make a bad fold, but we just have to be right most of the time for that to be profitable, and we certainly are. And by the way, this might even be ultimately, as played, a good fold by Jungle Man, but like, like is he, if he's getting it for the price he's getting, right? Yeah. But that's might, why you have to play the turn differently or the river might, differently because be it doesn't beat, make sense. He might be beat by more than 83% of Helmuth's range. Exactly. Which that's is, what I'm saying. Yeah, which is possible on this river card specifically. But that's why we have to move in on the turn yeah. to get value out of when the diamonds miss because they're going to miss mostly. Right. And this way we don't get – like Helmuth might check – Helmuth's usually going to check fold his diamonds on the river, right? Yeah. Maybe he isn't based on what we saw, but usually you'd expect he'd give up, right? Yes. And so – then we don't get that extra value. Like, let's end the freaking tournament if we can. And it's okay to lose. It's completely fine. Also, different than Ruan, where if Ruan um, is bluffing there and gets snapped off by Opes, which could be the case, right? Yeah. If Ruan's bluffing, oh, it's a scary board. Um, the board just paired an Opes donks into us on the also, river. Also, Ruan had Oops. no bluffs the way the hand played out. It oh, was I like agree. impossible. The whole thing. It yeah. isn't just the river. Yeah. But the river's a, big, a significant piece yeah. of it, right? Um, it just, I don't know, man. It's, it's, a, it's, it's sad. It's sad. It saddens me that Kate's had to do this publicly, and now he's even more sad than he was before. I know. And by the way, he got to find out right away because they had, they each have this card which allows one time per match you get to see what the other guy's hand is mm-hmm. um, after you fold. Kate's used his. Yeah. Kate's used it right there, and he just started dropping some serious f bombage. Yeah, yeah. It's a very upsetting situation. It was saturation f bombing, and Kate's as through his bitterness over the years publicly has most of his bitterness is embodied in I'm better than everybody else. That's kind of oh, his, yeah. his view. And he especially thinks he's way better than Phil Helmuth. Of course. So that must hurt him so much that Helmuth came back from, what, a, a 15 to 1 chip deficit or 33 something? 33 to 1. 33 to 1 chip deficit and beat him in a heads-up match where there's nowhere to hide. Helmuth beat him. That must destroy him. I don't, I don't even... I can't even... It's just got to be so upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad for him. I do. Uh... I mean, it's got to be so hard to, like, have to... I mean, and then, like, people like us, you know, do this. Like, Doug Polk is saying, what just happened? As yeah. soon as... as soon The instant you fold, Doug Polk is in shock that you fold and can't believe it. Right. Doug Polk is saying, because Helmuth moves in, moves in, and in the four seconds before Jungle Man folds, Polk says, like, well, that's going to do it. Yeah. That's the end, because, you know, he doesn't even have to explain why. And then Jungle Man snap folds. Yeah. I mean, I've been in Jungle Man's seat where you're like, he has to have it. Right, I know. And it does feel like he has to have it. It, it does. does. But that's why we move in on the turn then. Yeah. If, if we think he's only ever going to have it there, then we move in on the turn. If we think he isn't going to have it, then we call the turn. That's it. Yep. Those are, those are our, that's our decision tree. So that's the thing. That, and that's where the big mistake in this hand happens. It's interesting, isn't it, that like someone as good as Daniel Cates makes what at least seems to be Maybe if he was here, he could explain it, and we would ultimately come around. But seems to be a fairly fundamental error in this hand. Yeah. 
Like, he might be the best heads-up player in the world, and he made what, at le- again, seems to be a fundamental error. Yeah, well, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's a perfect right. poker player. I mean, I, was, we certainly, I certainly make mistakes all the of time. Of course, I do too. And I was, I was asked yesterday by uh, a good player I was playing with, he asked me, um, do you, have you ever, like, because playing in World Series events, playing in the marathon, playing in, you know, bigger events where there are a lot of good players, Yeah. have you ever been sitting at a table and just thought, wow, that guy is a level above? I've never seen anything like that before. Mm. And I couldn't think of anybody, even though I've played with very, very good players. And it's because at the top, the the differences are so murky. Like, it's so... There's... Over time, there's a big edge of somebody like Olivier Bousquet versus us. Of course. Like, a big edge over time. But in most of the decisions, we're going to be about as good as him until, like, the ver- the very big inflection points. And the... Daniel Cates making an error like this is just indicative of, like, he's in the Olivier Bousquet range. Of course, know? Like, yes, and, yes. And those guys still make mistakes like that. It's, and, a, it's amazing yeah. to see it. Um, the only guy I ever felt that way about, by the way, when I played, who I was like, wow, this guy is way better. Yeah. Way better. Was um, This is years and years ago now. I don't know if I'd still feel this way, but Faraz Jaka huh. um, at a World Series event where he, I just watched him dominate our table for hours, and I was like, kind of amazed at how how he owned everyone constantly and i mean part of it is just like he's not afraid and he doesn't mind losing so he's yeah. gonna put pressure on everyone but he did it so well and so interestingly and it was cool yeah it was really really cool that's cool but i don't know if i still feel that way about it or not i've played with a lot of very good players yes. who i have been impressed by but I, i've never had that kind of feeling of oh like wow that guy thinks in a way that i could never even conceive you know right. i've never been there right you know and and Seeing Jungle Man, like the revered Jungle Man, do stuff like this where it's like, what are you doing, man? It yeah. just kind of like drives home that like at the top, poker is tough. You know, it's like tough to tough to have a huge edge. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this too. Watching the heads up matches between Polk and Helmuth and Jungle and Helmuth, there is once in a while a surprising play that the players make. But mostly it's standard play. Yeah. Like you miss the flop. You often check even when you, uh, you're the pre-flop raiser. And sometimes you see bet, you know, and... You know, like you call when you have something, you fold when you don't. They often just check it down after, you know, after the flop comes out. Like, it's not all this crazy, you know, insane plays that, like, we often think of poker as being especially heads up, right. especially like high level players. They're mostly playing straightforward and then they deviate once in a while from it, you know? Yeah. So that way they're, you can't, you know, just pick them off really easily. But it, so it's, I mean, in its own way, it's sort of less interesting than you would expect it to be. You think heads up would be like, you know, fireworks all the time, but it really isn't. It's a lot of like quiet hands, and then once in a while, a big hand emerges, either because it's a cooler or because someone decides to make a big play and the other guy actually has something or makes a play back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Phil gets to win 200K, so you know, good job, Phil. Good job, Phil. I don't know if I like your move in on the river at all. Or your choice of bluffing on the turn. Right. It's, I don't know why you didn't move in on the turn if you're going to... But it worked out perfectly for you, sir. Yeah, it worked out real well. And uh, and you get to win the money and and get this video definitely went viral. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. It did. And people are going to talk about this fold for a long time. And uh, now we'll leave it to to you fine listeners to talk about it, about it amongst yourselves. Yes. Uh, we're done. show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the crop.